Amen. Praise the Lord. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, last week uh, I was gone and I didn't get to hear the message, but I went home immediately and listened to the message. And, uh, you know, life isn't fair. And then I listened to the message about 5.35, 5.45 again this morning, just because I wanted to be just on the right. And, and life isn't fair, so I thought that was a fabulous message, Pastor. And now, you know, me and the pastor talk, and we share, and we had these series, and, and, and I was supposed to speak last week, but I didn't do my calendar right, and, and I ended up preaching somewhere else and stuck pastor with it, but I think in all, really in sincerity, I think it's just God taking care of us, amen, praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn over to the book of Luke. I will tell you also this evening, if you haven't done it, if you, hadn't, if you don't know about it, please get in uh, touch or sign up with the Cowboy Church. At Frisco, Daryl does a fabulous job every Sunday evening. Uh, yeah, he does. Give him a hand. A fabulous job. Amen. I, I listen to it. I just, it blesses me. And also, I will tell you on Tuesday night that I'm doing, I've started the book of Exodus, and it's, and it's one of my favorite books in uh, 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 the Bible, and the pastor say you don't want to call it a book. It's one of my favorite, favorite followings in the, in, in the Bible, I tell you. So, so be that's at 8 o'clock. Every day a tidbit is on. And uh, this week I had people all in. I didn't get to watch the tidbits live but once or twice, but I listened to them when I have time. And so with everything we have, you can go back and listen. And, and so I, I, I really ask that you do that. On, you know, our audience that are watching now, you know, uh, by way of, uh, of technology, we welcome you. All right, so here we go. The book of Luke. Which thief represents your heart? I mean, after all, we're all thieves, aren't we? I mean, we rob and we steal from the grace of God, don't we? I mean, it, God gives us grace when we don't deserve it. I mean, we have done nothing to do it. Matter of fact, we went our own way. We've done things that's, that's on our own. And, and so really, we're robbing and we're stealing from the grace of God. But how many knows that we serve a great God? I hope you see that through this sermon. So next slide. So see if they're with me here. All right, here we go. Yeah, I'm just going to holler that another way that we won't have to spend no time on it. The narratives moves on, uh, uh, narrative moves on the two thieves. Now, only Luke really goes into detail about the conversation that really goes on. Uh, but you can find something very, uh, you know, beneficial in Mark and, and, and Matthew. And it says, only Luke tells us about the two thieves. Both have sinned and have been rightfully judged. But one repents while the other doesn't. Our sin is not what keeps us from God. Our problem is our inability to respond to the love of God, to repent and change. Only one thief did that. Next slide. So, let's, look, let's read, uh, and I'll bounce around in Luke a little bit here, but let's stay right here. Luke 23, 39. One of the malefactors, which would be thief if you looked at it, which was hang, railed on him, which that word railed would be blaspheme. It would be, basically was blaspheming him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. And so you can imagine, set the scene here. We know what's happened. He's bloody. Christ is bloody. He's been beaten. He's just, I mean, just, you know, life's not fair, but I will, I'm here to tell you about Jesus' life. Nothing could have kept him from the cross. Nothing could have kept him from the cross. That was destined. He was going to be on the cross no matter what because that was the promise that was promised from Abraham on that this is the way it's going to be. A matter of fact, you go back to Genesis and, and you know, his seed will bruise. And I'm telling you, the scripture's alive. So here we go. And if thou be Christ, save thyself and us. I mean, what? I mean, just insults, just, just flailing these insults. But the other answered, rebuke him, saying, doest thou not fear God? Seeing that thou art in the same condition, uh, condemnation, we indeed justly, for we receive due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. 
And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into my kingdom. We all know that. Man, we've studied this. We've read this. There's just two thieves. You know, something happens with both of these thieves. There's something that happens right here. It's in your heart. Your heart, and I'm not talking about the heart that you think that pumps blood. I mean, as I stated in the first service, there's 800 times the heart's mentioned in Scripture, and it's not talking about your heart that pumps blood. It's talking about everything inside of you, what makes you, your DNA, what you're made of. And, then that, and how many realizes that DNA's been changed? Can you say amen? <laughs> it's been changed because we're brand new now, you understand? We have a new heart. We don't have that same old heart, right, when we weren't saved. It's, it's a new heart, the Bible says. And so, so we read the Scripture there next slide so let's look at a few facts facts about the first thief could have been more could have put more in there but these are the ones that that I felt led to to write down he had no solid foundation now I am convinced and I think scripture is going to teach us these two thieves had heard about Jesus there's no way possible in this region just the very fact that they were uh, on the road to Calvary with Jesus But they know, and we're going to see something here that will tip us off on that. They know about Jesus. And and, and it's just the teaching. And you got to remember, rich uh, teaching, uh, uh, a lot of history in this region where this takes place through the years. And so he had no foundation. I will promise you, he probably knew the commandments. He broke the commandment. Thou shalt not steal. He railed on Jesus, which means he blasphemed against Jesus. Now we do know, Matthew 12, 31, Therefore I say to you, every sin and blaspheme will be forgiven a man, but the blaspheme against the Spirit will not be forgiven a man. And I thought about that. Because that comes up all the time, blaspheme. And I'll just throw it right here, the next line down. No hope. You might not be able to see that. That is small. Uh, for, wow, it's real small. So I'll have to look better on my slides. No hope for the first thief. He didn't repent. Is it possible when it says that, the, the, you know, when you go back and you look at Matthew 12, 31, therefore I say to you, every sin and blaspheme will be forgiven, uh, will be, uh, every sin and blaspheme will be forgiven man, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven a man. Is it possible when the triune God moves and he flows and that Spirit is convicting us, the very fact that we don't respond, and if we don't respond until we die, is that possible that that falls under the blasphemy because the first thief didn't receive forgiveness we see nowhere in scripture that he received forgiveness and when God continually moves and we're going to see this with his people whether it be in the old testament or us and God begins to move upon our hearts and our minds and if we we do not ever turn towards God if we don't repent it's it's really blaspheme against the work of God against the spirit of God that's moving and we're actually pushing it away, pushing him away, saying we, we don't want your move. <laughs> Just think about that. So he had no solid foundation. He broke a commandment. He railed on Jesus. No hope for the first thief. He didn't repent. The very thing that Christ came to earth for, to die on Calvary, the very thing that we know that happened, that, 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 that gives us hope, that gives us freedom, he didn't receive Facts about the second thief. Yeah, you're going to have good eyes if y'all see that. You'll have real good eyes. Yeah. I don't know what happened there. I can see it really well. Look, man, it's big right there. It is real big. So, uh, facts about the second thief. Now, watch this. He blasphemed Christ as well. 
I hope you say, well, we just read that in Luke. Let's go back to Luke. Let's go back to Luke. And one, and one, it says, of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, if thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Now, I could let that go if there wasn't two other writers, Matthew and Mark, that make a statement. I could let it go and say one railed. But obviously, we have more to it because you have different writers of the, of the Bible. The Spirit gives them inspiration, and they write as they see fit. I have two, and everything's established in two a lot of times when you talk about God. He blasts the theme against Christ as well. Have you ever thought about that? Look what Mark says. 1532, even those who were crucified with him reviled him. Matthew 27, 44, even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. So we have him doing it too. And, and just hold on because it's going to make what happened at Calvary even much, that much more special. So we have two thieves. We have both thieves speaking out against God. Something happened on Calvary in a period of probably three hours because after the three hours there was darkness so somewhere in that three hours something happened where one of the sin I mean one of the uh, uh, thieves repented that's very important in scripture so he feared God he repented and Jesus forgives him those are facts we know that we see this so we go to the next decision time so something happened with all three on the cross. Talking about the first thief, the second thief, and Jesus. We see three hearts. Three hearts. We see a hardened heart, a changed heart, and the heart of God. Luke 23, 43. And Jesus said to him, Surely I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. So let's go to the next slide. The hardened heart. We're going to camp here for a little bit. The hardened heart. How many would agree with this statement? It's easy to keep a soft heart. Yeah, we got, some, we got people that understand how hard it is. It's hard to keep a soft heart, isn't it? It's hard to keep a soft heart with situations that arise in our life, things that happen. You know, we feel like we've been wronged. I mean, there's things that can happen, and it's so hard for us to keep a soft heart. Man, if you want to have a prayer every day of your life, say, God, melt my heart. Help my, help my heart, everything about me. Help my heart to be soft. Help my heart to stay like your heart. God, I want to be soft. I know that I was wrong, God, and I know that I was wrong, but I'm not going to buy in that. I'm not going to take that bait that I was wrong. I'm, I'm going to stay true to you. God, melt my heart. Melt my heart. A hard heart is the covering with callous. Callous. I mean, you ever seen like an old-timer that really has worked hard all his life, and you ever seen his hands and are just calloused, calloused. That's what a hardened heart kind of looks like. It's somebody, uh, this obtuseness of mental discernment, dull in perception, in mind, one that has been blunt out of stubbornness and adversity. I mean, this is a person who says, I'm just going to be the way I'm going to be. I am hard-hearted. I'm not going to buy in that. I can do what I'm going to do because I am my own person. I'm just going to be that way because I can be that way. That's a hard heart. How many knows when you, when you come to Christ, you gave it all up? You said, Lord, I'm not in control no more, God. Really, I never was in control because everything that I thought I was in control of, I messed up. But when I come to you, God, I want to be yours. God, I want to give you control over my heart. That heart is something much more, something much more than just thing, something that pumps. It's your feelings. It's your mindset. It's your DNA. It's everything that comes out of you. 
That's your heart. That's your heart. I mean, I'm telling you, you can see someone that has a hard heart because things come out of them. Comes out of them. If you, if, especially if you, if you touch on something that they're really bothered about. They don't care what God's word said. It don't matter what God says, word. I'm going to be this way. I'm going to stay this way. That's a hard heart. How many loves Pastor Paul? I didn't get a very good, that's not a very good response, I'm here to tell you. <laughs> Hebrews 3.8, do not be hardened your hearts as in rebellion in the day of the trial in the wilderness. So the writer of Hebrews, I can't prove this, I think it's Paul, but nevertheless, the apostle Paul, not this Paul, but I believe that he writes this, and I'm, I can't say it, but nevertheless, it's the word of God, we know it is. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of the trial in the wilderness. What's he talking about? He's going back into the Old Testament when God came, uh, you know, and, and come upon Moses and, and told Moses that you need to lead my people out of Egypt. Now, you know the story well. He, he goes, and, and all these things come, and these plagues come, and all of a sudden they leave. But they hadn't had a change of heart yet. They really hadn't had a change of heart. They just wanted to be free. Hello? Hello? I just want to be free. But the heart hadn't changed. That DNA, that makeup, everything in them had not changed. And, and, and for a generation, for 40 years, it really did not change. I mean, God gets them out of there. They're no longer slaves. I mean, even though they flourished and multiplied, they're no longer slaves. They're out. And it just, this, this is repeated time and time again in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus. Get up to the Red Sea. What happens? See an army behind them? Man, it would have been better off, Pastor, if you'd have never started this building. We'd have been better off back in that old building, right? Same scenario. It'd be better off if we was a smaller church, Pastor. We all could do things together. Hello? There's some people that just want to sit in a small church because it's a club. It's theirs. They're going to be faithful to it. But it never grows. It's dead. It's not alive. It's not vibrant. It don't have energy. People are not getting saved. I'm here to tell you, the New Testament church in the book of Acts should grow. We should be a representation of the church of Acts. And when that happens, it ain't going to have a small effect. Could you imagine 3,000, the first sermon that was ever preached in Acts? Can you imagine the church being added to daily? No wonder, no wonder the apostles said, look, we got to do something. we got to get some men to help us. They were kind of like, Pastor, our administration, man, we, we, we got to have somebody else. Right? Right? I'm right there with you, buddy. I'm right there with you. It's yellow right now, brother. <laughs> it's yellow right now. It's not green. It's yellow. Yes, go. Let's go. So you think about it. You think about it. Here's the people of God. And this is what he's talking about. They're in the wilderness. They turn every time. Moses would be better off if you would have left us in Egypt. At least we had food. At least we had comfort. See, that's how we are. That's how we are if we're not careful. But we want to rob from God. You see, we're just as guilty as both of those thieves. We want to rob from God. We have a cross. The Bible says, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. We have a cross that we're carrying. And we are a thief. Because there's times that we rob from God. 
He continues. I love y'all. I love this church. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. I mean, God says he was angry. I mean, the writer's writing this. God's getting the words that, that God was angry with this generation. Talking about the people of, I don't want God to be angry with this generation. Amen. I don't want God to be angry with the living, the, the, the living water church. I want us to be trusted with this church. I want us to do right by God. I want us to have the heart of God. Can you say amen? amen. So I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. And do you know that, that whole generation died off? And they did not except two, Caleb and Joshua and their family. That whole generation died off. Because 40 years represents a generation, and they died off in unbelief. They died off in their hardened hearts towards the move of God. And it happens so easy. It happens easy. We can get mad so easy and get a hard heart. Do you know when you're starting to get a hard heart? It's when, when someone just does something. It really didn't matter, but it's starting to captivate you. It, it captures you. It's all you can think about. That's when you know your heart is in danger. It's in the danger zone. you got to say, man, i got to get that thing under subjection. I want a soft heart. Plow it, God. Plow it. Lord, help me. I want to stay soft in this situation. I mean, I, I can tell you, I, I do not lose my temper at work. I, 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 and and, and it's, it might have been the first time. Uh, 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 here two weeks ago because I was driving up and I drive to Kansas City and, and, and sometimes it gets taxing, sometimes it don't and, and sometimes there's a lot going on through these, between these big ears there's a lot that goes on in this mind and I, I was sitting there and I get a phone call driving up from one of my buyers and it's like 6.40 in the morning and he's complaining about something. What am I going to do at 6.40 in the morning? And I'm sitting there, and I'm driving, and, and then he finally, I just kept saying, you know, I'm, I don't buy this, I don't do this. We were kind of right. He goes, you're not making no sense, and he hung up on me. Oh, man. I had 50 miles to drive. And I can promise you this. I can set you, God is my witness. That 50 miles, I was praying, God, I don't want to blow this. Help me not to be a reactor. Help me not to be a reactor. Do we have any reactors in here? Help me not to be a reactor. Help me to stay soft. Help me, Lord, to do right. And I blew it. I got in there. Open that door. <laughs> Don't use my title very much, but <laughs> walk in that door, and I swung a chair around, and I sit on that chair and put my hand on the back of it. I said, let me tell you what makes no sense. Calling me at 640 in the morning. What am I going to do at 640 in the morning? And nothing went well from there on out, trust me. <laughs> The next 10 minutes was back and forth to the point all day long. I knew I had to do something. I had to do something. And because I knew he wasn't going to be there, I called him at 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night. Or I might have texted him. I, can't, I think I texted him. And I said, I want you to know that I take great pride in trying to be a man of God. And I'm sorry for the way I reacted. God's people, the heart, the first thief had a hard heart. Listen to the word of God. Beware, brethren, verse 12, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God, which means we can depart from the living God, which means we can actually rebel and depart. Now, even though we departed from him, I would assure you he has not departed from you. 
Because I'm here to tell you, if you've tasted of God, if you've tasted of God, and you're still living in rebellion, you will never be happy to your completeness. Never. You will be most miserable. Why? Because the loving God that we have is always there telling you, I love you. Working on you through people. Working on you through songs. Aren't you glad we serve a loving God? Amen. Verse 13, but exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you harden through your deceitfulness of sin. Sin. We should be exhorting one another. I should be saying, Cheyenne, go for it. Keep on going. I'm encouraging you. I look at everybody out there. I should be encouraging you, Brother Scott. Encouraging you. Encourage everyone in here to keep the faith. Keep the faith. If we have become partakers of Christ, verse 14, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts into rebellion. So he had a hard heart. We'll better get off that subject. Uh, so we look at a changed heart. Now this is the power of God right here. I love this scripture, so I'll put it in there. You can't see it. You can change the slide. Change heart. You can't see it, but I did do it. Uh, it's a change of heart. I just can't believe that. Is it on there? Who's, who's working back yonder? I done, ran, I done ran them off. I done ran them off. Okay, well, they got a hardened heart towards me. Oh, there we go. A changed heart. Ezekiel eleven nineteen. I will give you one heart and new spirit. I will take from your hearts of stone and give you tender hearts of the love of God. Ezekiel prophesied this way before Christ came. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that can give us a new heart? A new heart, a tender heart, a gentle heart, a loving heart, a heart that's full of God. That's the kind of heart that we need. So we see the second thief had a changed heart. He changed his heart on Calvary. On, when, when you're looking at the, the, uh, the, the, the skull, the place where they all were taken to, if you will, when you look at that place, he had a changed heart while he was hanging on the cross. He had to have. Because Matthew and Mark talked about that he was, they, Matthew very strongly said that he was reeling, that the thieves, the robbers, plural, plural, plural. It's remarkable that on Calvary, Christ is sitting there two thieves, and something happens. One didn't change, but one did. There's people right here today at the living water that will hear messages. One will change, and one might not. One will catch the fire, and one might not. One will be just so responded. I mean, I have never been in a church where there's so many hearts that have been changed, and we had just such a good church that people are so willing to give of their self, their time, their energy. That's what a New Testament church looks like. The second feet repented in the first three hours. He understood his sin because he repented somewhere along that time. And remember, he yells at the other feet, according to Luke, look, this is what justice is. We deserve this. We got what's coming to us. He's seen Jesus as the answer. He has some understanding about the kingdom because he asked Jesus to remember him. So he knows that Jesus has authority. He knows that Jesus has power. Something happened in this person's life. 
heart is your inner person, your mind, emotions, and actions. And then we get to the heart of Jesus. Even before this scene, he's going to Calvary. Luke 23, 34 states, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Forgive the people. I think this has a whole vast new meaning on it when he says forgive them for they know not what they do. They didn't even recognize, I think, what that means. They don't recognize, Father, that they're, they're dealing with deity. They don't recognize that they're seeing the promise fulfilled that was promised through Abraham that your seed shall be great. They don't, they don't see. I mean, all Scripture points towards Jesus. All Scripture points towards Calvary. Without Calvary, we don't have salvation. Can you say amen? It's remarkable. No wonder Stephen, the first martyr, where did he get that when they were gnawing on him, biting him, and throwing in the book of Acts? Where did he, what did he have? Where did it come up? How did he come up with, Father, forgive them? How did he come up with it? Because he's following Jesus. Jesus transforms us. Jesus makes us like him. Beaten, tired, aching, hurting, carrying a cross, even had to have help. And yet he's able to say, Father, forgive him. Luke 23, 43. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, or unto thee, Today you shall be with me in paradise. Now, I don't know what paradise is. I really don't. I, I, I've looked at scripture. Some say kingdom. I can tell you one thing. Are you ready for this? Paradise and kingdom's a whole lot better than this earth. Woo! Whatever it is, it's better than this earth. It's better than this earth. That's all I can tell you. And I can tell you that he told, even on cross as he had been sitting there. I mean, it hadn't got dark. I mean, it hadn't turned dark. And it was those three hours before it turned dark that somehow the work of God got a hold of a thief who once was blaspheming, who was railing against God, got a hold of that thief's heart and life just for the simple fact he is God. And he says right here, right here. And Jesus said to him, Verily I said thee, Today thou shalt be with me. Me in paradise. Woo! Glory! On the cross. God's people, this is a remarkable thing. This is a remarkable thing. When you look at what happens on Calvary, when you look at Jesus working on Calvary in a situation with two thieves, and I place myself on one of those crosses this morning, and I look at myself as a thief. But the one thing I do know, I'm a repentant thief. Amen. I'm a thief that, that, that wants to have the heart of God. I want the thief. I, I'm the thief that just wants to be like God. I don't want to rob and steal of his grace, his mercy, his goodness, his Holy Spirit. I don't want to rob and steal of it when I don't deserve it. I just want to enjoy the mercy and the grace and the Spirit of God every day of my life. I want to flow through me like living water. Can you say amen? Yeah. 
What a powerful God that we serve. That even on Calvary, he's reaching out to two people who don't deserve anything. And I don't know about you, but I love how cohesive the Bible is. And I can hear to tell you that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all were sinners. Now, I would argue if people right now, and I'd argue until I was in the face, I, have, I do not carry the title of sinner no more. And neither do you. You may sin, but your identity is not a sinner no more. Your identity is a child of God. Amen. It's a child of God. Yes. So the heart of the triune God is at work, and he moves on Calvary. Come on, group. We're going to give some time to pray, get our praise on. Come on, and let's just worship the Lord. God's people, God loves us, and we can see a remarkable, loving God in this passage of Scripture. I cannot wait till next week to see and to hear and to watch what God does through our pastor as he studies to this congregation that's going to be one congregation sitting in a new building. Why? Because of a living and powerful God. We didn't deserve that, but God gave it to us. Can you shout amen? God gave it to us. I don't want to be a people of God like the people the Israelites were when they left Egypt. I want to be a people of God that is proud to be an ambassador for Christ, that represents Him well, that stands on His promises. Can you say amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Amen. Father, I thank you for the Word of God. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, God. I thank you for your Spirit is alive and well in this place. Lord, we give you thanks and honor and glory for all that you're doing and all that you're going to do. Lord, we're going to go through things, but God, we're not alone. You're with us, Lord. You're with us, Emmanuel. God is with us. Oh, God, I know right now, Lord, that, Lord, just in a few moments now, your Spirit can touch people's hearts and minds and can do more just in minutes than I could do in a lifetime of preaching. Lord, we all have a cross that we have to carry. Help us to carry it well. Father, I thank you. God's people, as they begin to play, where are you at? We're hanging right now. We're hanging with the cross that God gave us. One day, along with the Apostle Paul, we really hope to hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Where are you at? Where's your heart? If you're, hitting, if you're sitting here and you hadn't responded to the messages over the last, you know, several months, is your heart hardened? Is your heart hardened? Just because you come to God don't mean you're perfect. But it means that you can come to a God that can melt your heart and make it soft. You'll become, I mean, I'm telling you, when you come to God, you can become the person that can love the unlovable. That can forgive the person that has hurt you the most. When you come to God, God flows through you. I don't want to be a thief that robs and steals from God just to get my fill on. I want to be a thief that says, Lord, remember me. Remember me. I know who I am. I know what I've done. God, remember me. So these altars are open. 
You can come just celebrate your week. Or you can come and say, God, melt my heart. Melt my heart. I want a soft heart. Won't you come, God's people? Deacons, you can see the people up here. Help us pray. Amen.